Well, you've made a good decision to join us online for the eighth part of our series called Rethinking the Church. And in this series, we are discovering together what the church is all about according to Scripture. Now, if it's your first time here, I'm so glad you're here with us. And my name is Clyde, one of the pastors at Grow Point Davao. And to all the regulars, thank you so much sa inyong pagbalik-balik and especially pagsubaybay sa ato ang series. And today is the part two of the muscles nga features a body. Uh, we know, um, as we've learned last time, we know that the muscles represent the function of a body. It's what makes the body moves, right? So we are focusing now in this feature sa mga ministries or functions that we need to prioritize as a church. And last time, the key verse nga to ang gifokusan is in Acts 2. For Acts 2.42, but now we will read verses 42 down to 47 and add three more functions of the church from this passage. So let me read. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right. If um, remember, Paninio, we actually talk about uh, the priority, three uh, main functions last Sunday: uh, the priority to the apostles' teaching and preaching, and also we talk about fellowship and then prayer. Now today we will look at giving, worship, and the breaking of bread. All right. So let's dive in right away because medyo uh, tas ang sermon today. So first, giving. So to start off, there's there's a short video that I'm going to show you that communicates giving or generosity. And it's a like two minutes kapin uh, video and let's watch it together. <laughs>
Now, how does that make you feel when you watch the video? I don't know about you, but when I watch it, um, for the you know, when I watched it for the first time, I thought that was really right. That feels right. You know, we need more of that in the, wor in the world today, right? And there's something inside of us that says, I want to do that. We want to be part of that life-giving generosity. There's something in us that when we see a content like that, it motivates us, it motivates us and inspires us because we know that giving is really good. But if you're honest, although we want to do it, but giving is really a challenge. Even for us Christians, Martin Luther said, there are three conversions a person needs to experience. First, the conversion of the head. Next, the conversion of the heart. And the third one is the conversion of the purse or wallet. Charles Spurgeon says, right, uh, with, someone, with some, referring to Christians, the last part of their nature that ever gets sanctified is their pockets. And I heard the story about a church nga nasile dako nga building project, you know, nasile project and the minister stood up and one one Sunday and he said to the congregation, I've got some good news and bad news for you. The good news is that the church has all the money it needs to complete the project. But the bad news is that it's still in your wallets. <laughs> So see, giving sounds really good and we want to make an impact by giving to others. But if you're just honest, there is that struggle within. There's that struggle to give. Because let me ask you a question. When was the last time you give to the church? Or do you intentionally allot money to give for the church? Or is it on the bottom among list kung naale extra? You know what? In my research, I, I actually found out, this is in the, the US, huh? that um, those who give represent only 10 to 25% of congregations. Hmm. I don't know sa Grow Point Davao if pila ang percentage sa naga give faithfully. And also, when was, here's my question, when was the last time you extended help sa mong fellow brothers or sisters who are deeply in need and you know nga naakay capacity to help because you have been blessed by God? Now, I'm raising those questions not to make us feel guilty, but to evaluate our hearts on this area of giving. Because if we want to follow the pattern of the early church, then we must be a church marked by generosity, a church who gives priority on giving. And we actually see that in Acts 2, 44 to 45. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So we see here that the members of the community, the, the early church, sold their positions and distributed to others as there was need. You know, remember that this event happened on the days of Pentecost. It's actually a popular annual Jewish festival in Jerusalem where people from different places might gather sell it together. And if you read, you can see that in verses 9 through 11, you know, different people from different places. And so these new believers had come from different places and in need of housing and food, of course. And what we see in verses 44 to 45 was the Holy Spirit works within the members of the new church to make sure everyone has enough. You know, they share their wealth. Those who were able sold their possessions to just to meet the needs of their fellow brothers and sisters. So we see the priority of giving in the early church here but the question now is if this is the function or the ministry that we need to prioritize because this is this was one of the priorities the early church how do we do that now before komado sa how let's talk about the why first why we do what we do why we do give you know why do it 
Now, here's the thing. The reason why we give is because we believe that God is generous. And, and, the, and the cross is a clear example of God's generosity towards us. Think about it. In the midst of broken and fractured humanity because of sin, God does something amazing. A verse that you all probably know, um, very famous, John 3.16, it says, For this is how God loved the world. The world. How? He gave. What's the word? He gave. God loves the world so much that it motivates him to give his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So we see the ultimate you know, generosity of our God by sacrificially giving his only begotten son for our salvation. God gives full of himself through Jesus so that we could have eternal life. Romans 5.8, it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He showed his great love for us by sending his own son. While we were still sinners, dead in our sins, God demonstrated his love for us by sending his son, Jesus, to die on our behalf, taking our very own sin, our death, our punishment that we, de that we deserve, and generously given to us, um, and generously giving us new life in him. You know, we cannot save ourselves, but he made a way for us to save us. If you're a Christian, all we have is his. All we have has been generously given to us by him, including the most important gift that we can ever receive, and that is the salvation of our souls. We give because he gave. We are generous because he is generous. And hear me, giving is always a heart response to God's amazing grace through Jesus. God's love through Jesus is the foundation set on generosity. I want to emphasize this motivation for giving because some people believe that their generosity pl places God in debt towards Selaha. You know, murag utangan ang ginoba. When they do something for God, you know, people think, I give because I give because I'm generous because I give to the church, I give to charity. Therefore, God ought to give something back to me. And this is what the prosperity gospel promotes that give more so that you can have the financial and physical blessings that you want. The motivation for giving is about securing some kind of financial profit. But this is not why we give as Christians. This is not why we are generous. If you really tasted and received the grace of God through Jesus, we do not give in order to receive. Rather, we give because we have received. That's the motivation for giving. And I want you to notice John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Hear me. Generosity is love in action. It's always love in action. That you love the church or your fellow brothers and sisters. But the question is, does it lead you to, to action in a form of generosity? Of course, we can give our time. We can give our spiritual gifts. But we can also give our treasure or money if we know we have the capacity to give, right? I hear someone said that money is the like the perfect gauge or the barometer of where our heart is. You know, where we spend our money reveals actually ato ang, or to who, where we spend our money, to whom we spend our money indicates unsa o kinsa atong ginaprioritize. It indicates what or whom we love the most. You know, our mouth lies sometimes, but our pocket or purse will tell the truth. And let me ask you a question. Do, a question. Do you really love the church as Christ loved the church? That you faithfully and intentionally give your offering for God's glory and the expansion of his kingdom? Do you love your fellow brothers and sisters who are in need that it moves you to share even your own wealth? 
Now, if masabta nato ni nga motivation, you know what? Our giving is not really compulsory, mapugusta, but um, it comes naturally out of our out of our understanding sa love sa Ginoo sa tuwa through Jesus. A love that motivates us to give. Now, since we get the why now, let's go to the how of giving. And to do that, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is the section where the Apostle Paul writes about the how of giving. And the setting here is the church in the Jerusalem was kind of struggling. And Paul is asking the churches in the Gentile world to help them. And so Paul goes around to take an offering from the Gentile believers to give as a monetary gift to the church sa Jerusalem. So let's read 2 Corinthians Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, let me give you, let me give you the how of giving from this passage. First is this, give intentionally or with purpose. Give intentionally. Verse 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So this indicates that um, you've, when you give, you've thought about it, you know, not an impulse. Uy, no, give intentionally. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 16, Paul is talking about the same collection here, but in different book. Verses 1 to 2, it says, Now concerning the collection of for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside, highlight that, put something aside and store it up as Hamy prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. So the point is set aside something for the Lord. If nakasweldo, make sure to set aside something for, for giving. Not kung naalang ka extra. Make sure it's on top of your list so that you can really give faithfully and intentionally. And so the question now is how much should you give? Now, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know your income. And, you know, when, when people talk about giving, that's our baseline. But we believe that we are not bound to that law. It's for Israel. But we can, we can apply a percentage giving as well. And it has to be in keeping with our own income. And I don't know how much you give to the Lord. It's between you and God. But the point is put something aside. I don't know how much percentage you set aside, but purpose something in your own heart to give. You can stick to 10%. That's, you know, some people, but do not do it in a legalistic way. Or maybe you can give more than 10% if you want. So it's just between you and God. Next is give cheerfully or joyfully. Now, verse 7 says, to give not grudgingly or necessity. And that word means not with grief or nag-uulka. How many of you makarelate, Ana? Na, um, 
mahatag na unta ka pero na ay kaguosi mong kasing-kasing. Right? But God wants us to give cheerfully because He loves a cheerful giver. In other words, you do it because you want to do it, not because you have to do it. So if you don't want to do it, here's my advice for you. Please keep it. Okay? Keep that or ask God to change your heart. Let the gospel sing so that you can have the right motivation and joy to give. And notice in the verse, I know that God loves everyone, but he said in the verse that God loves a cheerful giver, right? He has a special place in love or in his heart towards those who are a cheerful giver. But And I believe, I think the reason for that is because that is who he is. As what I've said, that God is a generous God. He is not, a, he is not just generous on the cross, but He is also, also generous in allowing us to enjoy His creation. Let's look at Psalm 24, 1-2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. For He laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean's depths. Now, simply put it, everything that we see now, all of creation is God's. And everything good we've experienced or have is a gift from God. You know, the beautiful sunset that you see, the good friends you have, the good health that you're having now, the job or jobs, get a side hustle, your promotion, the food on your table, the taste that you have, same taste bud, um, the air that we breathe, and the money that you have. These things comes from God. It's all His. If you understand this, you don't have that sense of entitlement that, you know, the money that you have is yours, that when you give, I know it's a sacrificial giving, all right? But you you will really give cheerfully and with joy in your heart if if you understand it. It's all by the grace of God. It's just a gift and you don't have to have a sense of entitlement for that. Okay, next is give generously. Now, not just intentionally and cheerfully, but we give generously. Verse 6, it says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So the principle of harvest is um, proportionate to the seed you sown, right? Kung say mo kita no, makuha, right? And you know what? The word bountifully here translates to eulohia, which literally means blessing. So generous givers will reap generous blessings from God. Now, it doesn't mean that you will get rich when you give more, you know? We're not promoting prosperity gospel here. But as the verse 8 says, it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, so you will have the sufficiency, so that you will abound in every good work. And verse 9, as it is written, this is a quote from um, Psalm 112, verse 9. He, but it refers to a, man, to a man, has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. And this is the reward. His righteousness endures forever. And verse 10, it says, He, now this is God now, a quote from Isaiah 55, 10. He who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and, oh wait, Increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So the point is, when you give generously, God promised that you will have the sufficiency, not self-sufficient, but God-sufficient. You will have enough. We don't expect that. We, Of course, we don't always expect that it's money but if it does, it is not just for your personal consumption or self-interest, but for us to give more for the Lord's work and abound in good works. So give intentionally, cheerfully, and generously. 
All right, so that's the first function. Now, the next function is this worship. Now, our word worship comes from the old English English word worship. You know, to show worthiness, respect, or reverence, and awe. As John MacArthur said, worship is our innermost being responding with praise for all that God is, expressed through our attitudes, actions, thoughts, and words based on the truth of God as he has revealed himself. So to worship means to declare his worthiness for who God is as revealed in the scripture that affects the way we live. Now, worship is really a great subject and it can be private or personal worship, but I want to focus on worship as corporate, corporate worship, because this is what we, what the early Christians devoted themselves to as well. In Acts 2, 46 to 47, it says, they worship together at the temple. So together, they gather together for worship, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God. That's the language of worship and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we see here that all the believers devoted themselves to the gathering corporately to worship the Lord. Yes, I believe private or personal worship is good and you can do that. But we see here in the text that corporate gathering to worship God is one of the priorities of the early church as well. This is what they are devoted to. Now, this is so relevant today because Barna Group, you know, a Christian research organization, recently reported a growing trend of those practicing Christians who don't attend church anymore, especially in this time of pandemic. Although over half, like 53%, say they have streamed their regular church online and 34% admits that they are streaming a different church service online. online churches, you know, church hub na. But there are actually one-third of practicing Christians, like 32%, says that they have done neither of these things. They don't attend online church gathering anymore. Now, I understand this um, because the are factors that contribute and especially in the virtual world, it really feels different. It feels like you're watching somebody else worship, right? Or like you're worshiping God alone, right? Like Rajud, if we physically gather. But honestly, church, we don't have a choice for now. And I pray that you would endure ato ang online gathering, you know, by God's grace until magregather nata. And I hope that this message would really help you toward redeveloping a heart for a corporate worship. You know, if you find yourself isolating right now, especially at this time, to disconnect the church. I hope this would help you redevelop your heart for gathering. Bahalag online. But if you are still into corporate worship, bisag online, I hope this part of the message would really fun into flame that passion for corporate worship. So now let me give you reasons why we commit ourselves. Why we do commit our why we do commit ourselves to corporate gathering for worship. Why gathering together for worship as God's people is so, so important. Now, first reason is this. We gather because we are the church. We gather because we are the church. Now, the church, which means ecclesia, is at its heart is a gathering of people. It means a group, group of people who have been called out of the world and to God so that's what it means. What's the church is all about? Or yeah, the definition of the church. And what's the point of calling ourselves the church if we are not gathering? 
<laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus, that means you are part of the church. And being part of the church is not ju just about me and Jesus, but we and Jesus. Mark Dever says, The most fundamental duty Christians have in relation to the congregation is the duty regularly to attend gatherings of the congregation. A biblically faithful church is a gathered church. So if we are truly the church, then we will surely get together with other believers regularly. The church never connotes a single, individual, lone ranger Christian just going about his Christian duties and never gathering together to worship with other believers. The church, by its very nature, means an assembly. In fact, all the biblical metaphors na makita nato sa Bible are plural, never singular. The scripture says we are his... Um, we are his flocks. We are his body, a building, a holy nation. It's always plural. There are no lone rangers in biblical Christianity. Now, that seems pretty simple, right? To understand, you know, all you need to do is just gather. But you know what? Our culture has a massive problem, Ani. Why? We are living in a very individualistic na, na culture today. People want to be independent instead of identifying with a group. No wonder psychologists and generation experts call the millennial generation, and that's the generation I belong, you know, the millennials, you know, we, we are called the me generation, me, M-E, me, and it's all about me, me, me. And the generation after us, they call the Gen Z or the independent generation, that we are the people marked by independence and seclusion and isolation. And we as the church are being influenced, Ani. In fact, Life Re Research also released a survey last 2019 about Protestant churchgoers' views on the need for other Christians. And they found out that 65% of Protestant churchgoers say they can walk with God without other believers. This is serious, right? But if you compare this modern attitude toward the corporate gathering with that of the first century church, you see a massive difference. The early church devoted themselves to the gathering, both at the temple and at home. And we are to prioritize the gathering because that's the essence of being the church. I hear, I hear some people say, I don't need to go to church. I am the church. Now, if that you are the church, you will gather with other believers because because the church, in its essence, is about gathering. So we gather. That's the first point or the first reason. Now, the second reason is we gather to utilize our God-given spiritual gifts. Now, one of the problems we have now is people, they see the church for what they can get out of it rather than think about what they can give. That's why some people leave the church because it, the church didn't really satisfy their expectations or meet their own needs or standards you know we live in a very consumeristic society as well but i've got news for you if you're a christian and I, I will give you a reason to go to church you need to go to church because the bible says that when you become a christian you have gifts and you can contribute to the body of christ romans 12 verses 4 to 6a it says for us in one body we have many members and the members do not have all the same functions so we though many are one body in christ and individually members of one another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us use them and then paul goes on to say the different gifts so see god has given us a gift um, to use it 
to and in the church. And how do we make exercising gifts that edifies the body possible? It's when we choose to gather together. So you have a gift and God wants you to use that to edify one another. But you will say, I don't know my spiritual gifts. Then you have more reason to go and gather because in the church, you can have opportunities to try if you're gifted or not in this area. And you have brothers or sisters who can really confirm if you are really gifted on that area or not. But some of you will say, well, I know my gifts, I'm certain. But I don't have opportunities right now to physically gather. I understand that. Okay? But actually, you can also find ways to use whatever gifts you have in our season. Let's say, for example, you have a gift of teaching. You don't need to have a training event or formal event to teach people in a formal setting. You can reach out someone right now who is isolated and who might need to be reminded of the truth of God's word or teach people of the truth through your social media. That's teaching there. If you have the gift of administration, that means, you know, you are a person that task and detail-oriented kaika and you like to organize and plan, you know. Why not volunteer to organize if you have events online to church? Or if gifted ka sa evangelism, reach people online or post on the social media what you're currently learning about Jesus and you never know what conversations might arise from there. And praise the Lord, bisag dili pataka gather physically karon, we actually benefited from the gifts sa ato mga brothers and sisters. You know what? Our gatherings, online service nato allows us to benefit from the preaching and teaching of God's word through the worship leaders and also pastors that we have sa atong church. And right now, we need encouragement more than ever in this time of difficulties. And praise the Lord for the people nga ginagamit sa gino in our small groups who keep us encouraged karon na panahon nga mupadayon despite the challenges in life. And even sa ato ang mga brothers and sisters who just give generously when na I need ang ato ang mga fellow believers na exercise gihapon ang gift of giving. And also na ato mga igsoon karon nga willing kaayo to offer their service ka mag-deliver good sa food para sa, like for example, katong na ato mga nasakit ng mga brothers and sisters nga nag-positive sa COVID. I mean, there are people who just willingly offer their service for the sake of the body. So there are ways that we can really serve even karuna panahon. But some of you might say also, well, I know my gifts, but I don't need to go to church. I can use this gift anyway, right? To serve akong friends, akong families, and workmates. Now, I understand that. You can use your gifts outside the church building. And it's possible. But think about it. No matter how gifted ang usaka, ang usaka person, um, in a particular area, like a doctor or a surgeon, maybe, he still must depend on other people to fix his car, build his own dream house, to travel from this place to another. So this is no less true within the church. You may be gifted in some areas, but you don't possess all the gifts, brothers and sisters. You are just a part of the body, not the whole part of the body. You need the other parts. You need the gift of preaching and teaching to equip you for every good works that God has prepared for you. You need the gift of encouragement for people to come alongside Zemuha and exhort and rebuke and correct and comfort you. You need the gift of service, people to help you in times of need and meet your practical needs. So why do we gather? We gather to use our spiritual gifts. And the third reason is this. 
we gather to fulfill the one another commands. Now, we know this. We have numerous one another commands in the Bible about encouraging each other, instruct one another, love one another, exhort, rebuke, submit, building each others up, and addressing one another in song. And so here is my $1 million question. Where are we to do all these things? Of course, at the corporate gathering, right? And here's the thing. We only attend the gathering once a week and the rest of the days, right? And gina spend natuna sa sa work and other things ang the rest of the days. And I believe that so many things can happen in those days that make you wary or get distracted. So many lies gina entertain. But when you attend the gathering, it actually helps lift up your spirit. It helps reorder the love that you have for Jesus and his people. You know, as we sing God-centered song and Christ-centered songs together, it helps you redirect your focus to God and reminds you who God is and who you are in light of what Christ has done for you. As you listen to the sermon, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of will will convict you and teach you and and comfort you and rebuke you and challenge you to hold on to, to, to God's promises no matter what you're going through. And you also get to fellowship with one another. In in our case, Karon, we have the after-service fellowship and also small groups online to find a community around you who can really encourage you, support, and pray for you. And vice versa, you can also be a channel of encouragement to others when you are in the gathering. So these directives, these commands, kay possible lang nisha when we are in the gathering. And here is my encouragement for you to fulfill the one another commands in the Bible, even online patakaron. Let me say this, that watching online, you know, watching online is good, but it's incomplete. You cannot really fulfill the one another command. Nganuman, because it's one-sided. Yes, na bless ka. And you say, I'm encouraged today. Thank you so much, Samashid. I'm instructed or corrected today. Yes, that's true. But how about your responsibility to do the same thing to one another? Do you have the opportunity to instruct or encourage or exhort or submit as God commanded you if you are not in the community? See, watching the service is good, but it's not enough to fulfill the one another command. Engage with us through the after-service fellowship. And sa among mga small groups, weekly we meet men and women so that you can really fulfill this one another commands in the Bible. So through the gathering, we get to fulfill the one another commands by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last function for today is this, the breaking of bread, or I call it, Table fellowship. Acts 2.42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received um, their food with glad and generous heart. That's actually in verse 46. Now, to break bread was a common Jewish expression for the sharing of a meal. And there has been so much controversy controversy actually, Annie, about what Luke had in mind here when he said the breaking of bread. Some commentators interpret that the breaking of bread refers to a common meal. Now, common meal in in our time is different in ancient times, okay? For us, just eating food without someone sitting with us or leaving a food on our table para sa katong wala pa nakakaon, makakaon sila and not eating with them is like a common meal na sa doa. But in the early church, common meal is like a sit-down. Sabay. Of course, na ay magluto and prepare sa, but then they gather together and partake 
the blessings on their table together. That's actually the breaking of bread for them. That's a common meal or fellowship meal. And on the other side, some call um, that the breaking of bread, some call the reference to the breaking of bread as the observance of the Lord's Supper. And others, um, Ningun Sila, that Acts 2.42 refers to the Lord's Supper since it was a formal gathering, a large gathering at the temple. And verse 46 refers to the common meal since naaman sabalay. The setting is really informal. Now, the guy views about breaking of bread. Now, Will, William Willimon, an American theologian, perhaps gives us the best way to view this controversial topic of the breaking of bread. He said this, Probably, Peter's Church of Luke's day, would not know our distinction between the church merely breaking bread as a common meal and the church breaking bread you know, as a sacramental religious activity or comm commemorating the Lord's Supper. In good Jews fashion, when the blessing is said at a table, that's their practice. They recite a blessing over the bread that covers all the food in their meal, like fish, meat, and vegetables. Monehilang practice. The table becomes a holy place and eating together a sacred activity. Perhaps every meal for, for the church was experienced as an anticipation of the messianic banquet, a foretaste of Jesus' promise that his followers would eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. So the Jews were really familiar, Annie, that heaven is a place and I party. You know, there is a banquet. They didn't just expect that it includes the sinners, Ceylon standard. But so so the point is this. Um, whether they are eating to celebrate to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper or just a fellowship meal, or it could be both um, at the same time, the point is that what we observe is that the early church is sharing around a meal together. It's one of their priorities. Eating meals together was clearly the practice of the early church. Actually, gifalo nato ni sa church. If you remember paninyo sa atong, um, before sa pandemic, uh, naatay event called Love Feast, right? Nga magdalagyod kung kinsa tong willing maghatag og food to serve mga tao. And we do it every first of the month because that's our communion Sunday. You know, we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we feast together on food served on the table, right? But the question is this, why? What is in the sharing of meals? What happens when we gather around tables? Now, I believe sharing a, a meal is not just an activity for them, but para sa ilaha na rich meaning behind it that we all need to embrace and redeem as we eat together with other people. Now, let me give you three things that happen when people gather together around meals time by looking at different, um, same passage actually in the book of Luke because Luke's gospel is full of stories of Jesus eating with people. You know what? Uh, our master Jesus and the early church value this practice and we should value it too. So let's read. In Luke um, chapter 5, verses 27 to 30, it reads, After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Le Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining a table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, three things we can learn about the meaning of table fellowship here in this passage. First is this. The table is a place of connection. It's a place of connection. If you see in the text, after Levi followed Jesus, he made Jesus a great fist feast in his house and notice that dili lang si Levi and Jesus ang nasa balay but Levi invited his friends his fellow tax collectors and and the text says a large company of tax collectors uh, you know reclining at the table with Jesus now you know what dining together was considered in their society as a way to create a social you know a certain bond you know it's the pl the table is a place of connection and building intimacy and our master jesus knew this over and over we see him spending with his disciples friends and an outcast on a table in fact one commentator said that in luke's gospel jesus is either going to a meal at a meal or coming from a meal you know, Jesus was so seriously into eating and drinking so much so that his enemies, you know, the Jewish leaders, accused him as a drunkard and a glutton. So Jesus' primary way of connecting with people, both friends and strangers, is through the table fellowship. And a New Testament scholar, um, Scott Barchi, says, It would be difficult to overestimate the importance of table fellowship for the churches, for the, for the cultures of the Mediterranean, Mediterranean basin in the first century of our era. Mealtimes were far more than occasions for individuals to consume nourishment. It's more than that. Being welcome at a table for the purpose of eating food with another person had become a ceremony richly symbolic of friendship, intimacy, and unity. So what happens around the table is nigh acceptance and friendship and intimacy nga mabuild. And maagrigitani, right? Maagrigitani. We know that there is something special about gathering a meal. Or in a meal. Food connects us with people. When you want, for example, you want to get somebody um, or you want to know somebody. What's a typical thing that you do? You invite a person to a meal, right? Or a snacks or having coffee or milk tea together. When you are asking a girl on a date, men, okay? Di ba hagaron nimo o date to know this person intimately. Now, didn't it necessarily mahal jud. Like, akong wife, itong girlfriend pa na ako, siya kay eating balut is life and magaban na me together. But naapuy times na kinahanan jud sa restaurant. Okay, mo demand jud. But, but here's the reality. You know, the professor, um, Barry Jones said, we have somehow lost the biblical perspective of sharing meals together in the fast-paced, tax-saturated, attention-deficit, disordered culture in which we find ourselves today. That's true, right? Perhaps the only purpose we see the meals on our table is just to fill our bellies and satisfy our taste bonds. In fact, we don't really stop and slow down when we eat together. We say, Mabayaan na ang mabayaan, basta kay nagdali ko. We don't talk around meals kay focus na kayo ta og lantaw sa atong screen atong attention span sa hay if maminaw ta sa mga stories sa ato sa mga tao is short ra kaayo because naalala na ta og quick and short updates sa life sa mga tao sa social media you know we just want to see pictures and short captions to know what's going on on someone else's life we have come to think of meals as merely an earthly activity with no spiritual significance. That's what we think about meals now. But it should not be that way. The early church and even Jesus himself knew the power of table fellowship in building deeper connection with people. So let me ask you a question. If you are a parent now, when was the last time you had an intimate fellowship with your own family around a table? 
I know for some of you, mag-struggle yun mo ani nga mag-sabay together, especially if dependent pa ang baby sa inyo, ha? Makarelate ko, ana. You know, nagi na, times nga da, dapat nagi mag-una para puli-puli lang, unless kung tulog si baby, right? But if na opportunity to share meals together, gina-take ba nato na ng mga opportunities? And as married couple, when was the last time na nag-talk mo intimately sa imong spouse around the table? Or naapa ba mo date-date together bisag menu na mo? Or kung sa una, abdik ka, yung manlibre yung partner and mga own mo together, itong wala pa mo mag-menu, karun kay iayay na lang. Now, I'm not saying that eating um, um, around the table is the only way para magkatok mo, but it's one of the primary ways na ma-enjoy ninyo inyuhang conversation and company with each other. And I encourage you married couples to have a date night or date lunch, I don't know, maybe once a month or th- twice a month. This is something that the Lord really is convicting me and I'm doing it by God's grace to really be intentional in planning among date together sa ako ang wife. And sa mga singles diha, imagine na lang mo. J- joke ra. Alright, sa mga singles diha, f- French, ang friendship ba sa imuha is just a Facebook number kung kinsa lang to ang nag-like or nag-follow sa imuha social media account. Not people with whom you eat and laugh together. Do we, do we really spend quality time with friends if na opportunity or we just take a picture sa food Tereng, and the group together? Okay, selfie or groovy ta para lang na kay mapost sa social media and butangan dahin ni mo caption better together or fellowship. Bisan good the whole time nagalantora ka sa screen or wala imong focus sa imong friend or friends. You know what, Christians? We need to recover the art of a slow meal around a table, right? Um, around the people we care about. Sharing table- tables is one of the most uniquely human things we do, right? No other creature, walay lain creature, consumes its food at a table unless imong train imong dog or imong cat or any pet that you have. Kita lang, right? And I, I believe that um, the dining table is to be shared. Sharing tables with other people reminds us that there's more to food than nourishment. We don't eat for only for sustenance, but God designed us to connect and socialize with each other. All right, the second reason is this. The table is a place for breaking the barriers. Now, if you're honest, spending time with people we like is easy, right? But how about those people nga dili kaayo na to close? Those people nga um, whom we see nga mas makasasala pa compared sa atua? Katong mga people na dili na to ka or the same interest, do we still need to spend time with them? Now, in Jesus' example, we actually see that. That he expands the tent of who is acceptable in his kingdom by eating with the outcasts. If you look at the main passage, nato, the problem here is not the party, okay? But the problem is katong mga guests ni Jesus. Because in ancient times, kanin mga tax collectors, kay Jews ni sila, who were social outcasts. Okay, what they usually do is cheat on people or take advantage of people. So, but there is actually more as a story put. The tax collectors were also working for the enemy, the Romans. And for the Jews, they were looking for the day when God would defeat the Romans. And that includes the tax collectors, the Jews who sided with them, whom they see as traitors. You know, if you watch the movie, The Chosen, you notice the reactions of most of the disciple when Jesus included Matthew to be part sailing circle, right? 
So the Jews hated their fellow Jews, nga mga traitors who work for the Romans. You know, they don't want to associate with them, let alone eat with them. But here is Jesus, who is a Jew. He broke the barriers. He breaks the social norm. Jesus is now partying with the traitors or their enemies. And his eating with them was actually his gesture of acceptance sa kining group of people. He was extending grace to them and with open arms, you know, to these people he he who were the most hated groups in ilhang society before. That's why shocked kayo, shocked kayo mga Pharisees when Jesus ate with them. And para sa ilaha, this is very very scandalous. Now, if you're honest, it's easier to stay in our own safe lane, like spending time with our Christian friends, right? Uh, and rather than spending with unbelievers who don't know Jesus. Okay, practice if we are with our Christian friends, right? Now, I understand that uh, that uh, we are to be careful in associating ourselves with the unbelievers, you know, as the Bible says so. But we must not also go to the extreme that we are nagina-isolate na nato atong selves ilaha. Nga di nata makipag-storya or makipag-make friends sa ilaha kay lahi sila belief or worse sila nga makasasala kung sa pamandi ay ato ang, you know, expect sa mga unbelievers, right? And now, I can understand not wanting to be influenced in a bad way, but how can we also influence people in a good way if gina-isolate nato atong self, right? You know, God calls us to be uh, salt, the salt and light and salt is needed if walay and salt is not needed if walay need to preserve, right? And a light is not needed if walay darkness. So God put you there in that relationship or community for a reason. And you can use the table fellowship like, G like you know, Jesus as a way to connect with them. I know it's challenging, but, you know, you can ask the Lord through His Spirit to enable you to influence them the, rather than be influenced by them. And we can also see this problem um, within the body of Christ. Usahay, mas ganahan pa ta nga atong kauban sa kaon kay katong mga people nga the same og interest, likes and dislikes and personalities sa atua, right? And napag grupo nga nabuo tungod kay naa sila kalagutan nga person or another group of Christians, you know, a, a, a group born out of hatred towards others. And ang table fellowship na himuna noon as a place nga backbiting, pandao towards others, and we call it fellowship. Again, the basis of our fellowship, guys, brothers and sisters, is Jesus. Jesus is our unifier, not if same ta interest, if dato or publica or anything. And we are to follow Jesus' example as, as well, to fellowship with one another through a shared meal, no matter who that person is. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to have a deeper relationship with everybody because that's not possible. But what I mean is that make sure that we should not exclude, exclude people in our lives or sa ato ang groups that causes division, factions, and naay mga cliques, right? We are open for everyone. Our relationship with Jesus transcends ato mga backgrounds and differences in life. I know it's really inconvenient. And delete a comfortable. In fact, na ako yung mga fellow brothers and sisters as well. Delete ako kampanti and comfortable to associate. But if we feel that way, that's actually the perfect time for us to die to solve our own convenience and interest for the sake of our brothers and sisters. My third point is this: the place is, as is a table or the table as a place of reconciliation. Now, Jesus said in verse 32, he said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, you, you can see the heart of Jesus that he came for the sinners and not the righteous. He didn't just eat with them to build connection. 
and break the barriers, but he also wanted to reconcile with them. His heart is for reconciliation towards sinners. And here's the thing. Jesus hasn't come to save people who think they are well. Jesus hasn't come to save people who think nothing is wrong with them, like the self-righteous Pharisees. Jesus has come to save people who know, you know, that something is wrong with them, who will admit they are sick. And we can see ourselves in the place of tax collectors as well, who, who were also sick before coming to Jesus. We know that there is something wrong in us. We have a problem of sin that we couldn't fix on our own. But thanks be to God, to our Lord Jesus, that he provided a cure to our problem, that when we believe in him, Jesus took all of our sins and gave us new life in Jesus. And now Jesus is calling us to do the same thing. Jesus wants us to eat and drink to those people um, who are broken, who are sick, who stumbled. He wants us to use our table fellowship to let them know that there is a God who is willing to reconcile with those people who think that they cannot measure up or um, they don't have it all together. And here's the thing. Our dinner, dinner tables have the potential to be the most missional places in all of our lives. And we know people in our lives, right? Jesus. We know people in our lives who think that they don't measure up to be accepted by the Lord Jesus. What if you were to begin to form intentional relationship with your neighbors or co-workers or even your own family members who is far away from the Lord? What if you intentionally connect with them around a meal? Perhaps before we invite them or we invite people to Jesus or invite them to church, we should invite them to eat with us like Jesus. And pwede pwede natin buhaton when na conflict with our brothers and sisters. You know, if you remember the story of Peter, I think familiar mo sa yung story, right? Uh, the story of Peter after he betrayed and he denied Jesus three times, he was devastated and thought Jesus wouldn't want to use him anymore nor associate with him. Yet after the resurrection and when the disciples with Peter, kay nangisda sila sa Sea of Galilee, Jesus called his disciples from afar and Peter jumped on the boat going towards Jesus and guess what? Unsa ang, mga, ang nakita sa mga disciples pagabot nila sa shore? They found breakfast nga naay fish nga and some bread. You know, Jesus offered them a meal despite the fact that they betrayed him, especially for Peter. And that moment, Peter was restored. So church, we can actually use our table as a place where broken relationships can find restoration or reconciliation. So if no, if na-offend ka or naka-offend ka, offer a meal to that person to heal your broken relationship. Now, need bajud na ikaw mo initiate nga ikaw pa na offend ikaw pa man libre or kaya pa mag offer meal. Well, look at the example of Jesus. The disciples betrayed him, yet he he initiated right. So use the table fellowship to mend and set a broken relationship. Ayaw lang ubutang og tinidor or kutsilyo or any sharp objects. Panigurado lang. Joke lo bitaw. Again, this is not the only way to find reconciliation. Um, dili lang maon yung way. Nga ma-offer jud ka og food. But this is one of the purposes of Jesus why he ate with his people. This is Jesus' way. Maybe for some of us, dili nato ni ma-apply karo na panahon, right? Kaya mga restrictions. But how about start with your own family members? To deepen your relationships together and let them know about Jesus if wala pa sila kaila kay Jesus. Pwede raman kayo ka mo share, right? Because you're living on the same roof. Now, and also start with your own spouse. 
connect with each other and share your hearts together around a meal. Or if you, if nakaka-open sa boarding house, ka pwede rin mo ma-reach out, offer a meal to that person. Or if nakaka-opportunity to connect sa mga mga workmates as well, you know, bisag, um, you, you do it Bisag na face shield or a barrier in between because that's a new normal. Do it if nai opportunities. So church, let's redeem our meal time for the glory of God. If Jesus is the Lord of everything, then he must be the Lord of our tables. And if this is Jesus' way and gonna practice the early church, let's practice it today as well. So three functions uh, we have to remember and apply this week. First is... Giving, right? And I pray that you will give intentionally and cheerfully and generously to the, to the church and those who are in need, knowing that God is so generous, say Muha, in offering you, you salvation and enjoying His creation right now. And we also give a priority as a corporate gathering, corporate worship, bisag online lang takaron for now, because to gather is not something we do, but it's who we are as redeemed people of God who belongs in the same family. And lastly, let's prioritize table fellowship as well. I hope you will have an incredible experience with the Lord and whoever you know, the, the, the Lord wants you to fellowship with around the table this week and do it for the glory of God. Now, we have the opportunity to share the Lord's Supper together and please get the elements that you have there, uh, the cup and the bread. So we do this because this is what the Lord Jesus and the early church passed on to us. And Jesus said that we have to do this in remembrance of Him. And this communion is a recognition that we are dependent on God, not just as creatures, but we are also sinners, right? We live through the death of His Son, Jesus. Each time we partake, this is a reminder that we cannot save ourselves. Just as we rely on daily bread for physical life, so we rely on Jesus for spiritual life. This bread represents His body to, to fix our brokenness. And this blood or this juice represents His blood to wash away our sins, communicating to us His love and commitment. And as we partake this together as a body, uh, this is also a time to confirm our mutual love and fellowship with one another because Jesus made it possible for us to commune with one another. And so before we partake um, these elements, I ask you to examine yourself. If there's anything and ask God for forgiveness. And let's do this in remembrance of Him. Let's come to God together. Lord, thank you for the for giving us the Lord's Supper to remember you. If there's anything, any sins in our hearts that does not na please say forgive us. And thank you that, that um you gave your body and blood for our sins, showing to us how you love us as our, our generous Savior. As we partake this bread, we remember that Jesus was broken for us so that we can be fixed by him. And as we partake this cup that symbolizes your blood that was shed on the cross, we remember how you died for all of our sins and paid that price that we couldn't pay. We affirm together as well our love for one another, um, that we do not live for ourselves but for others, and that we are willing to lay down our lives for each other just as Jesus laid down his life for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake the elements together.
thank you for your patience um, in listening to the message today. I hope you heard him speak to you um, through his word and apply those things you've learned this week by the power of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of his name. God bless you and let's pray. Loving Father, how we praise your name for your wonderful plan of redemption through Jesus. Thank you that through Jesus we are reconciled to you and with one another. And help us, Lord, to remember that Jesus is our unifier and our fellowship with you outflows among fellowship with one another. I pray this week that we would be more intentional in using our mealtime for your glory, to use table fellowship in Jesus' way, that whoever you would bring in our tables um, this week, remind us, O oh Lord, of the things that we've learned. And may we use it to connect, deepen relationships and friendships and connect with those whom we do not usually associate with, even if inconvenient Samoa, and make it an avenue to reconcile and heal broken relationships. I pray, Lord, that we will be able or that we will be a people marked by generosity, reflecting your generosity through our lives. That as we give, there's joy in it because we've experienced already this great gift of salvation in our hearts. And may we give with expectancy as well, knowing that you are a God who blesses. And as you bless us, more people will be blessed through us. I pray that in this time of pandemic, I know easy to disconnect with one another. But we know, Lord, that the more we isolate, the more we feel lonely and depressed because we are created for relationships. It is not your will for us to be alone. So, Lord, I pray that you will break our pride and self-sufficiency, thinking that we can go through life on our own. But with humility, may we access the blessings that comes from plugging in the community. May we be the church who prioritizes the gathering of your people. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.